0: Cody Maxwell Thank you for joining me tonight I appreciate you coming I thought we would start with How we know each other Okay And How you and I Have started this together And Maybe tell you That I'm appreciative of the fact that I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you
1: Well, it's mutual.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Let's start there.
1: With how it started? Yeah. Well, I am always looking for ways to find guests to talk to, and I only choose people I'm interested in talking to. Nobody books anyone for me. No one tells me what to do. And so everyone that I ask is someone I really want to talk to. And I came across you on the Meetup app, which is a pretty weird little app that I used a lot for a while. I hadn't been on it for like a year maybe, and I actually was just on it today Hmm. looking. And the cool part about that app is that all the people that are on there genuinely want to meet people and hang out. So it's easier to get a response out of those people. And I can't remember what group I was in when I came across you, but like I told you before, something about your description was really interesting. And also your photo made me want to talk to you. And I wrote you a message and I can't remember how long it took you to get back to me, but you were very positive and excited to do it. And I was impressed with your scheduling method, <laughs> which you're, like I told you, you're the only one that has ever told me or asked me to use your
0: calendar, your calendar.
1: So I was pretty impressed with that. And yeah, and then I don't know what a couple of weeks went by. It was in October, October 17th. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You emailed me on the first.
1: I emailed you on the first, so 16 days later.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And you came to my previous studio that I shared with my buddy, Stephen, and listened to me ramble about my girl problems. Mm Mm-hmm. For two hours after we recorded. And then... We became friends.
0: hmm Yeah. Yes. And I think it's also important to notate that we didn't just become friends. You have taught me more through this last year than I've probably learned about myself in the last twenty. So it's it's become quite a relationship. I would consider you more of my partner than my friend.
1: It's been very good for both of us. I was in a pretty dark place for a long time, and you kind of helped me out of that. So things have been a lot better since I met you, for sure.
0: And so we started this studio together, and we both do our podcasts here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it's also a love of mine, just like it is yours, and yeah, you're the reason why I'm doing it again, so again, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate you. We've got this cool spot with two different rooms and enough equipment to make (laughs) one happen at a time, (laughs) so we got (laughs) to... Swap things in and out here and there based on what is on the schedule, but.
0: You're making it all happen.
1: It's working out so far.
0: You're doing a really good job. Um, all right. I do have a lot of questions for you. I can see that. Um, we'll just start at the beginning. Tell me something unique or interesting about you that only those close to you would know.
1: Unique or interesting? Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, that's tough. I don't know. I'm not good at talking about how awesome I am. Okay. Mm. I guess what's cool to me is that I have a lot of things that I like to do and a lot of things I pursue. So that's kind of a a negative quality in the same way that – I lose focus on certain things like I get way into something and then sometimes I'll kind of put it on the back burner. Like music is a great example. I, I was in love with music forever. And then I, when I got married and had kids and stuff, I kind of stopped pursuing it as much and I got into photography. And so I didn't play drums for 10, 12, 15 years and I got into photography and doing design and other things. And then I kind of shifted out of that and started podcasting. And so I don't take photos anymore. And But recently I did buy a drum set and I've been playing a lot more music. So that kind of came back in. But yeah, I only, have, I only have so much time each day or each week to really focus on something. And so it's hard. I mean you know I do a ton of stuff at my house too. So I have all these things that I enjoy doing that I just don't have enough time for. And so it's fun to achieve things and make progress, but I'm always thinking about like what else I could be doing. So it's it's hard to settle down hmm. and chill. But hmm. I don't even remember what the question was now.
0: <laughs> Something uniqueer or- different or interesting about you that only person. those close <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that only those close to you would know so mm. you're keeping that hidden from the rest of the world
1: no i don't know i don't know what other people would say huh. that's a question for other people
0: okay <laughs> what are you naturally gifted in
1: naturally gifted in
0: mm-hmm.
1: drinking booze
0: that's not a natural gift <laughs>
1: Um, I guess playing guitar.
0: Thank you. I was going to say, if you don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, I, the only reason I know that I'm good at that is because I know how bad I suck at other things. Yeah. And I always talk about how when I was in high school and when I was a little kid, I really wanted to be a sports star. I idolized and worshiped Michael Jordan and Ken Griffey Jr. and all these guys. And I thought I was going to be a professional something. And I was terrible. And it took until high school to figure out because my, my best friend loves to tell this story. I was on the freshman baseball team and we we're practicing with the JV and the varsity and all the coaches are there and it's super stressful. And I couldn't even throw the ball to him anymore. Like, Something was wrong with my arm. And every time I'd throw it, it would hit the ground right in front of my buddy. And all these coaches are like, what is wrong with this guy? He's 15 years old and he can't even play catch. And so that was super embarrassing. And I realized when I started, I mean, I got into music a little bit before that, but I realized I wasn't, I wasn't a sports guy. Hmm. I was a fucking grunge kid listening to, Nirvana and all that kind of stuff. And then, so yeah, I started playing music and realized that was just way easier. It's like, you, if you can tap into something and not really know why you're doing it, but it's kind of easy, then... I, don't, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for somebody who's a car mechanic. Like, maybe they just open the hood on a car. And it made sense? Yeah, and they're like, oh, the carburetor goes to the spark plug, goes to the gas tank, whatever. <laughs> I don't know how cars work. Thank but
0: God you're not a mechanic.
1: Stuff like that. Like, <laughs> I
0: think I know more about underneath an engine than you do. I think that's true. Um, do you need – there's another if you – I
1: might have to refill here in a minute.
0: Okay. You're just going to get up during the podcast? We we'll can cut it out. Okay. So <laughs> you're like, shit, with all these questions, I need another drink. All right. That's okay. So I forgot about this part. That's the whole reason why I have so many questions. The reason why I have so many questions is because you play something with your kids call questions mm-hmm. you do that at night and you used to do it um so you do it at night with your kids at bedtime as bedtime ritual which i think is really sweet and tells me that you're really curious about what's important to them or inspiring them or listening to them is that how it came about
1: I think there's something about me as a person that just likes to understand why people do what they do. Huh. And that's why I like doing the podcast because I just I just ask genuine questions that I'm curious about. Yeah. And everybody has a different life experience or their parents were cool or their parents sucked or they got beat up in junior high or they took care of animal like There's a million different things that can happen to you throughout your life, and it influences who you are. And then maybe you like jet skiing now, or maybe you like snowboarding, or maybe you get angry at parties and punch walls. Like, There's always a reason that something happens. And so I like asking people questions to figure things out. And with my kids, it's really easy because I love them so much. And when they're young and their brains are changing, and I have three kids, and they're all way different. And so I get different responses from each of them.
0: Do you ask them the same questions?
1: Well, it's it's shifted over the years. We, we kind of don't do it as much anymore because they're grown up now. And it... It shifted. When I was still married and I lived in the house uh, with my ex-wife and everybody, sometimes I'd go to their room alone and then I'd get one-on-one with them. So I'd ask my youngest different questions than the middle kid, you know, different than the older kid. Uh, But then when the divorce happened and things got really shitty, we all started sleeping in the same room. And so then we would have... Group questions, and that was a lot of fun. And I have a bunch of recordings on my phone from when those those happened because uh, my youngest Lennon was only like two or three, and he had no idea what he's talking about. So he would just say the wildest stuff that would crack everybody up. And so they, I mean, that was a group thing that we did. And then when the divorce happened, and we got our own place they all slept in one room and I had my room, but we would do questions together every night. So like the dynamic changed based on where we lived and what was happening. Hmm. But the cool part about doing it with them is that it was always like, I'm a really um, physically touchy type of person, Mm -hmm. especially with them. And so I get to lay in bed with them Mm -hmm. and like cuddle them and and talk to them. And so I don't know. It's like multifaceted. It it accomplished a lot of things and made me closer to them and just let me learn stuff about them and also teach them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I want them to be curious and question stuff Mm -hmm. and you know we talk about religion and marriage and scary stuff and happy stuff like all over the place and I would just like to figure out what they thought and also teach them what I thought but also be like hey because religion was a big one because when you're a kid you just kind of do whatever your parents do Hmm. and they have known forever that i have never really subscribed to any of that stuff mm-hmm. and so i was just tell them i don't know what's true you don't know what's true no one knows what's true but that's what you get to do you get to pick one if you want and believe in it but no one really knows no yeah
0: so are the questions the same No, it's,
1: it's, it's just like the podcast. It's spontaneous. I never know what I'm going to ask them.
0: So you don't even think about them. No. You just just walk in and start asking them things. Yeah, for sure. Okay.
1: No, I don't plan any of it out. (laughs) I don't like
0: plans. (laughs) Okay. So let's play questions. If you died, but could come back to earth for five minutes just to experience one last thing, what would it be?
1: One thing for five minutes? Yeah. I don't know, that's hard. (laughs) I would like eat a pizza while watching a sunset and having sex.
0: That's all at the same time. Okay. For five minutes.
1: (laughs) I'm just like I can't pick one. Maybe like
0: it's pretty good. (laughs) While eating pizza.
1: I'm just like trying to combine all the awesome stuff.
0: (laughs) What about the margarita? Yeah, or margaritas. (laughs) If you could ask any musician about a specific song that really spoke to you, what song would it be and why would you ask them?
1: Um, I'm really fascinated with, with having nothing and then creating something that changes everything. Like if you can think about just like something generic, like Stairway to Heaven. At one point that song didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Page was sitting there and I always picture, you know, he's like hanging out in the bathroom, brushing his teeth, or he's sitting on his bed at home, or maybe he's on a tour bus or something. And I always just think about that moment when that thing gets written And then it's like it becomes something bigger. And it's whatever song you can choose. Smells like Teen Spirit or fucking Pat Benatar or Coldplay. Like any any huge song that somebody wrote, it didn't exist until they wrote it. Right. And somehow, or fucking anything the Beatles wrote, somehow you channel that stuff. That's what I think as a musician, I don't think you're really writing it. I think you just somehow, it's like some weird wavelength that you can like tap into and you get on it and you just like write it. Because sometimes, I mean, I don't really write new music anymore, but when I used to write a lot, I'd come up with crazy awesome stuff and I wouldn't even know how I really did it.
0: Mm-hmm, you got out of your own way. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I mean, Creative people talk about that a lot, like artists and um, poets. Just, I don't know that you're really doing it. I think you just find it somehow. Hmm. It's like stumbling around in a dark room looking for your keys, and you find the keys.
0: Hmm. Or maybe you just set your ego aside for a second and don't judge the creative
1: process and let it come out. Yeah, but not everybody can tap into it.
0: No, some people are definitely more able to, for sure. So Mm -hmm. is there a specific musician that you would ask?
1: Okay. I I just keep rambling and forgetting what the questions are. That's okay. I'm not used to talking this much.
0: I know, it's so good. Um, You're doing great.
1: Well, I I don't know that I could choose a specific song, but... I I mean, I know a lot about the Beatles and how they wrote and when they wrote. And there's this really perfect example in, I think it's called Get Back. It's a documentary that just came out that Peter Jackson did. The guy who did Lord of the Rings and a bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. He went through like 900 hours of video that they recorded. The Beatles were in the studio getting ready to record... Um. Uh, God, what is it called? Let It Be? I forget what the album's called now. They were getting ready to record that and it was supposed to be a documentation of them preparing these songs and they shot so much footage and they got in a bunch of fights and all this drama happened that I don't think they really did anything with it until a few years ago. Peter Jackson went through all of it and there's this awesome part somewhere in the middle I didn't make it through the whole thing I'm only on the second episode but there's this awesome part where Paul McCartney is just playing this bass line and Lennon's like smoking cigarettes talking to Yoko and Ringo's like eating food and all this stuff is happening there's all these people in the studio and they're just fucking around playing and Paul McCartney writes get back he just like comes up with it He just keeps playing the bass line over and over again and humming stuff. And all of a sudden it just comes to him. And then he, that's the song. He wrote the fucking song right there in 14 seconds while the cameras are rolling and nobody's paying attention. So that stuff is fascinating to me that that's, I don't know what I would ask. Or who? Or who?
0: You don't have a favorite song.
1: No, there's too many good songs.
0: Give me one.
1: One good song? Yeah. Mm, I'd love to talk to Jeff Mangum, who is a guitarist and songwriter. Who He's the lead singer of this band called Neutral Milk Hotel, mm-hmm. which I told you about. Uh, you had never heard of them, which is not surprising. They're very famous to like a certain group of people. Like, I mean, like if you listen to dance music or EDM or country, like maybe you'd know about an artist that no one else knew about. This guy is specific to indie rock, I guess. And he wrote this album in 1998 that lots of people consider to be one of the best albums ever. And it's, It The way I've heard it described is that he had a bunch of dreams about Anne Frank and about World War II. And I'm super fascinated with World War II and everything that happened in that, that era and just like how things looked and what society was like. And so he would have all these dreams about Anne Frank and write these fucking crazy songs with weird lyrics that make sense but don't make sense and then just the whole album has a certain sound and feel to it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then he incorporates all this weird art too that doesn't really make any sense but it's really pretty and it like ties in with all of the Anne Frank World War II type stuff and it's just like this completely Unbelievable, separate thing that you've never—it'd be like if you were swimming in the the sandy river and then you just found like a purple diamond. You'd be like, "What is that?" <laughs> There's all these regular rocks. What is that thing over there? Huh. It's so original. Original. Unique? You can't. You can't believe it. Like you could never write something like that.
0: Is he not alive?
1: No, he's alive. He's just a recluse. Okay. And I really want to try to get him. I don't think it'll ever happen, but I'm going to try to get him
0: on your podcast.
1: Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's, uh, so he put this album out in 1998, and people didn't really care. And then it kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. And they were touring for it. And uh, he got sick of the attention or something, and he just said, fuck it. And he quit. And then he didn't do anything. No one knows what he was doing for 20 years
0: hmm.
1: or not 20, like 15. Cause he came out of nowhere in 2013 and started touring and he's playing fucking Coachella and like doing a whole tour around the country. And I went and saw him two nights in a row at the crystal ballroom hmm. in, I think it was April of 2013 and then just disappeared again. And that's all he they had one other album before that, but that one thing that he put out, it's 11 songs. It's like some of the most beautiful music hmm. I've ever heard. And I don't know I kind of get it. I don't know how he would top it. It's kind of like It's kind of like uh you uh you do the the most amazing thing you can and then you walk away. Cuz
0: Maybe you're done.
1: Well, I think that's why, in a weird way, it's kind of good that certain people died when they did. Hmm. And that sounds fucked up, but like Shannon Hoon and Kurt Cobain and Bradley Noel and Hendrix and Joplin and Jim Morrison, all these people died before they could get old and be Keith Richards. Hmm. They did the best shit they could do in a three-year period, and then they died. And everybody was bummed because they were awesome, but also they did something perfect that no one can replicate, and then they just disappeared. And that's kind of what Jeff Mangum did. He's just still alive.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: I feel like I'm rambling so (laughs) much
0: What do you do to relax or unwind when you're stressed?
1: Mm. I guess people have different ways of dealing with stress. Mm -hmm. Some people can't handle it. Some people like it. I think... I think if I were to evaluate it, I think probably what I do is I just, I like itemize it in my brain. And I know there's 20 things I have to do. And they usually say, you're supposed to do the easiest thing first. Mm -hmm. Right? And then just get it out of the way. It's kind of like when they talk about taking care of your debt. They're like, get rid of the small stuff. Then you're eliminating items. And that's why I think I hate clutter so much. I think that's why I like... Being simple and having a minimal amount of anything because it clutters my brain, and if I have less stuff to worry about and less stuff on my coffee table or less things on the kitchen counter, it's it's a form of stress that I I don't have it if it's not there. Hmm. So I don't know. I guess that's probably what I do. If there
0: you unclutter,
1: I just know that. How there, do you
0: relax and unwind?
1: I get satisfaction from finishing things. Okay. If I have 20 things to do, and 10 of them are at work, and one of them's pay a bill, and one of them's go grocery shopping and finish a podcast or play drums or like all these things, I just like line it up. And I say, this is the thing. And then that, and then that, and then that. And sometimes I don't get to all of them in one day, but look at all that shit that I accomplished. And that to me is a reliever of stress because I finished it. And then I'm just chilling at home at the end of the night. And I'm like, yeah.
0: I did a pretty good job today. I
1: I killed it today. Sometimes.
0: (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes, I think you kill it every day. Not every day. When do you love doing more than anything else?
1: I don't know. I like things in moderation.
0: You like things in moderation?
1: I don't want to do podcasts 14 hours a day. I don't want to fix my house 14 hours a day. Got it. I don't want to hang out with anyone in my life 14 hours a day huh. like i need little bits and chunks of everything because i appreciate it more when it's smaller that's i've told you this before like about fixing stuff at my house hmm. that's not my job if fixing my house was my job i'd probably fucking hate it hmm. because it's the thing i have to do hmm. and that's why work bums me out sometimes because i have to do it Mm-hmm but then when it's done, I get to go do all the cool stuff that I get to do. But yeah, like, if if I, back in the day when I wanted to be a touring musician, if I somehow got famous and could tour, I probably would've fucking hated it. Because that would've been my job. Hmm. It's weird.
0: <laughs> you know that you haven't answered a question yet? <laughs> You, what do you love to do more than anything are you, else?
1: Are you getting what you wanted out of this one?
0: <laughs> Smart ass.
1: Okay, what is the real question?
0: What do you love to do more than anything else? Hmm.
1: I don't know that I can answer that.
0: There isn't one thing that you love to do.
1: I love to do a lot of things.
0: Okay. Good answer then. We'll stick with that. I don't
1: think I can choose one.
0: Okay. Then that'll be your answer. (laughs) (laughs) What makes you the happiest?
1: Oh, God. Mm. Lots of things make me happy, but it's fleeting. You all those times I hung out with my kids and did questions with them and they they liked me and they wanted to hang out with me and they thought I was cool. Then they grow up and they become teenagers and you gotta deal with them having friends that you don't like or getting in trouble at school. Not that my kids get in trouble at school, they don't. Uh, But just like, it can't be good forever. You get tricked when it's really good it's really good and then something bad happens like you get divorced from your wife and your fucking life falls apart and it's awful Uh uh-huh and you cannot wait until your shit is not awful and then somehow you get back up here and it's pretty good right now it's pretty good yeah so that's what makes me scared that something it can't be good like this forever Hmm. something has to happen and so I don't know
0: so lots of things make you happy and nothing makes you the happiest
1: I have a hard time getting fulfilled I find something that makes me happy and it does it it can't last it can't be a forever thing it goes back to i think about this all the time when i drive home on 84 and they've got the sign up on the wall or up on the billboard and it says 892 million dollars and for every fucking time i drive past this i don't even know i'm doing it but my brain goes what would it be like if you won that man you could do anything you wanted I don't want that. What would you do? Who wants all the money? There's no struggle. You don't have to achieve anything. You go buy a fucking helicopter. You go buy a house or pay somebody to plant you a garden. Like, no, that's that doesn't create any happiness in your life. You have to struggle to get something so you can be like, yeah.
0: You have to struggle for happiness? Yes. You have to struggle for happiness. For sure. Hmm. It
1: doesn't just happen. You have to try to get it somehow.
0: Hmm.
1: Is, that not, is that not right?
0: I, I mean, in, I, I'm not living your life, but it says something for sure. Hmm. It's definitely a different perspective than what I have. I don't think that happiness should have to be a struggle. I think that it can be enjoyed in the midst of a struggle even.
1: Well, that's what they say about it. It's the journey, not the destination, right? So you find happiness in the journey because that's what sucks about the destination. Sometimes you get there And it was better in your mind before you got there. Like me thinking about the lottery when I'm driving home. What if I actually won the lottery? It would be terrible.
0: How do you know that?
1: Because what are you going to do when you can buy anything you want?
0: Yeah, that's kind of scary for you, isn't it?
1: It should be scary for anyone.
0: Why would it be scary to have all your needs met?
1: Because it's, it's, it's excessive and you don't have it to it doesn't
0: have to be excessive if you have good boundaries mm, around I it. I think
1: there's some deep rooted thing in us where you have to you have to try to do something. You get satisfaction from trying. Well,
0: you can still try to do stuff just cuz it allows you to take more vacations where you can do things on the vacations that you're still trying to do. You could Take lessons in something that you wouldn't have allowed yourself to do before because you could actually afford to do it. You could buy an entire education library. You could buy all kinds of things to improve your life that would continue to have you work towards things. It would just enable you to create more. So all money is, is really creation. It's just energy. And it allows you to do more of what you're already doing. That's it. We've come to vilify it for sure through how we were raised or how our parents raised us around money, but really it's not the enemy. It just allows for more. It's a multiplier. So it's a multiplier of your happiness or it's a multiplier of your sadness. Right, it will allow you to drink more or do anything more in excess? So it just depends on if you are centered and you make good choices in your life, it's just gonna magnify whatever you're already doing. So if you have a gambling problem, of course, it's going to make it really terrible to lose all that money, right? It's just gonna magnify whatever habits you already have in place. And so if you're already a happy person, You could still have more happiness. It's not like it's going to rain on your happiness. If anything, it could increase it because it would allow you to have more of that.
1: Hmm. I hear what you're saying, and I agree with aspects of it.
0: Okay. But you still feel like there needs to be a comparison of suffering. Well, there's going to be suffering irregardless of, of happiness in your life.
1: I'm not saying suffering. I'm saying a struggle.
0: Okay. Well... Okay, so maybe your argument is centered around like, as an example or analogy, uh, parents that work hard for a living and like create a business and then their kids come in and take over the business and they don't appreciate it quite as much because the parents cultivated that or, or had to work for that and the kids just kind of slide in right so i get what you're saying that that you have to work towards things in order to have satisfaction but we're talking about happiness not satisfaction and in my opinion you can have happiness happiness is a feeling um satisfaction is more of a quantitative I don't know, like goal or pursuit. How you quantify things?
1: Okay. Mm. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's how I see it, anyway. I'm not trying to. I'm um, with you. I'm not trying to convince you of anything, though. (laughs) What? Uh, Okay, this this should be interesting too. So, what makes you feel loved?
1: Well, I knew you were going to ask me about love. I think there's lots of different ways to show someone love or give someone love.
0: What makes you feel loved?
1: What makes me feel loved? Probably encouragement and companionship. A feeling of I'm on your side, I guess. Support? Yeah.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Someone who has your back?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like ride or die. You know, when you go hang out with your friend, if it gets wild, it's all right. (laughs) They're going to be there. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're not going to bail and... Be five steps in front of you when the cops are coming.
0: Okay. Yeah. Has that happened?
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, a few times.
0: Okay. What did you love doing as a child?
1: Well, I had lots of hobbies.
0: I bet you did.
1: We had an ant farm once. You did? Yeah, I wouldn't really call that a hobby, but it just popped in my brain for some reason. Uh, we played old school Nintendo. I played soccer, played baseball, like I was saying. I was way into baseball cards. I had lots of baseball cards. I used to do this thing, which is actually pretty cool. I used to, I don't even know how the fuck I came up with it. You take a card... Like I did it a lot with the Portland Trailblazers because I grew up in the Dalles and that was that was Your everybody's team. team. And so I would get a Clyde Drexler basketball card and I would put the card in an envelope and then I'd take another envelope with my address on it and a return stamp and I'd put it inside the envelope and then I'd write a note and I'd say, hey, Clyde, you're my favorite basketball player. I love you, whatever. Please sign this card I've put a self-addressed envelope in there so he doesn't have to do anything. I mean, and who knows if he's actually signing it. He probably is. But somebody else is going to stuff the card in there and send it back to me, right? So I did this to Clyde Drexler, Jerome Kersey, Terry Porter, David Robinson, uh, Barry Bonds, Nolan Ryan. I sent this shit everywhere. And I got so many autographed baseball and basketball and football cards sent back to me. It's pretty wild that they would do that.
0: We don't think they appreciate their fans, especially if they're kids and they get this sweet note. I mean, now knowing being a father, if you got this sweet little note in the mail from a kid, would you be like, nah, and throw it in the trash?
1: I I, I don't know. I wonder what would happen now. It was a different time then. That was 1993 or something.
0: Sure, but still
1: i don't know it's pretty cool when you think about it all those guys sent me signed cards i still have a bunch of them too you do yep
0: hmm. i did yeah. not know that
1: yeah they're stashed away somewhere
0: okay tell me a childhood memory that you've never shared with anyone
1: I don't know if this happened or not, or I made it up, but I remember this really dramatic thing happening when we were at my grandma's house in Southern Oregon, and there was a bunch of people on snowmobiles, and they were like doubled up. There were two snowmobiles and two people on each one, and someone almost fell off of a cliff. See, I don't know how much it's me making it up, or if it really happened, but... That's like a weird little snippet. I don't have many memories from being a kid. You don't? No. I have maybe five, maybe ten memories before age ten. Barely anything. Which is weird because when I look at my kids, it bums me out. I'm like, what if they don't remember any of this?
0: Well, they're going to remember parts of it or the feeling of it or... You know, I don't remember every single Thanksgiving dinner, but I remember certain aspects of Thanksgiving dinner.
1: Well, that's the weird thing. You don't know what is going to trigger your mind to turn it into a memory. Yeah. Like like some of the conversations we've had and you remember some <laughs> insignificant <laughs> word like.
0: Insignificant like to a, you. Like a
1: yellow parakeet. I'm like, when did I say that? <laughs> Like uh June seventeenth
0: <laughs> well, kind of like the purple diamond in the river, right mm-hmm. like i I've always been attracted to words mm. I've always been attracted to words I've m- read a lot when I was a kid, and so i I love language, and when you say things, I remember them because it's important to me it's not insignificant what you say um, you know. <laughs> It's important. But sometimes it
1: is because I'm just like I have been today. I'm just rambling, saying stuff, and somehow your brain picks up on it.
0: Well, your brain is all full of right like, stuff like, you know, Theodore Roosevelt was doing something on I don't even know what year, but you remember something Numbers. Stuff like that. Numbers yeah. for some reason. Yeah. So... We remember things, and Mm -hmm. you could argue that isn't as important to you to remember, yet you remember it. Um, But wouldn't you say, on average, you remember the things that are important to you?
1: I remember facts for some reason.
0: Okay. Do you remember the things that are important to you? I try to. Like, can you remember Lennon's first birthday? okay
1: i mean there's pictures of it when i see the pictures i feel those emotions but i don't remember who was there or what was said okay no a lot of that stuff just is gone is gone
0: yeah that's why i take photos of everything we can't remember everything
1: no no
0: okay what do your friends most appreciate about you
1: I like to think they appreciate that I'm up for anything. Then I'm usually the one that's like, "Fuck it, why? Why do you care? Let's go do that thing. Let's go fishing. Why? Are you, you don't have money? Yeah, you do. Let's go fishing.
0: See, so make things happen.
1: I am more inclined to understand that we're not here that long. And people spend a lot of time being afraid of things instead of just saying, fuck it, let's do it. And then 10 years of their life goes by and all those trips that they could have been with their bros fishing, they didn't go. And then you die. And then you didn't do anything. So that bums me out. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be 80 years old, laying in bed, going, man, I wish I would have started a podcast in twenty twenty. No, I'd rather just do it, take my kids to Vegas, take my kids to Hawaii or whatever. I could be like, oh, I can't afford that. I should save up for that, maybe in five years. No, I'll find a way to afford it. I want to take them to do this thing. Anything can happen. That's right. We might not be here next year. And there's a lot of people who are worried about stuff that doesn't matter. Hmm. They're afraid of things, and it bums me out. Talked about this many times.
0: Yeah. See you ride or die.
1: I am... Tomorrow might not be here, so let's do it right now. Okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You're a wild man.
1: I'm a fucking wild man.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um... If you could change one thing about your parents, what would it be?
1: One thing about my parents? Hmm. My parents had me when they were really young, Mm -hmm. which if I be positive about that, I could say that they were young people when, they're young people now. So they get to experience their grandkids and still be mobile. Uh, my dad came from a very, very poor family. And so he struggled for a long time and built. To be happy? What to. He didn't want to be a poor person.
0: I'm teasing you only because we've had that conversation. No, happy I'm just saying
1: this is maybe this is a huge part of why I believe in struggle? struggle and doing stuff for yourself because no one should give you anything. You should fucking figure it out. And he was very poor and he didn't want to be poor. And so he got a job and worked his way up to uh, being a manager at Les Schwab. And when he did that, it was a much better company and they took very good care of their employees and bonuses and retirement plans and all this kind of stuff. So he spent his whole life working for them, but he did what he wanted to do in terms of being financially successful and turning around what he was raised in. And what is the question, where am I going?
0: If you could change one thing about your about, parents, what um, would it be?
1: So what I'm saying is they were young when they had me, but they were ambitious. And my mom had her own problems with her parents. She was raised in a Jehovah's Witness household, and they they shunned her at 18 and took her pictures off the wall and told her brother and sister that they couldn't say her name anymore. They... Essentially, erased her, and she grew up in a small town in Oregon, Lakeview, Oregon, like two thousand people, three thousand people, and everyone in the church shunned her. So she'd go to the grocery store, and people would pretend she wasn't a person. They wouldn't make eye contact with her or talk to her. So you can imagine what that would have been like in a small town. So they both came from these weird, difficult backgrounds. And had me young, probably totally didn't mean to. And then they turned it into something. And so what do I dislike about them? What would I change about them?
0: dislike. If there is anything that you could change. (laughs)
1: Let me just twist your words around, okay?
0: (laughs) If you could change one thing about your parents, what would it be? That they didn't have you so young?
1: No, see, I think it was a good thing. I guess I would say I wish that they would have cared less about certain things when I got to high school. My dad was, I was a little grunge kid, rocker kid with holes in my pants and shoes that were falling apart and I grew my hair out and he it didn't jive with what he thought I should be, and he just he just wanted me to be a successful guy. He didn't want me to be some loser pothead, and I think they might have thought that's where I was going at some point. And so he, he would make me get my hair cut, and I always thought that was really stupid, and so I don't do that with my kids. So I guess I would, that's, if I would change anything, I would just, they didn't understand what I was doing and I didn't make it very easy on them but they picked the wrong things to to get upset about and I was so dead set on disobeying them that I don't know it was it was a tough time (laughs) it was a tough time yeah yeah
0: I know it was
1: yeah So I guess that's the thing. All right. Are you going to drink your whiskey?
0: (laughs) No, I gave it to you. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Would it be that?
1: I can't. So here's the deal. You can't complain about We're not
0: complaining.
1: Well, you can't change anything that happened or you wouldn't be you.
0: No, but is there anything... That if you could have changed the way you were raised...
1: I like who I am. Okay. And I have lots of flaws and lots of issues. And I'm impulsive and I do crazy shit. But I am who I am and I like who I am. So if I went back and changed a bunch of stuff, it's kind of like saying, do I wish I would have had kids when I was 22 and married the wrong person? No. I mean, yes. Maybe... (laughs) Maybe it could have been different, but I fucking love my kids. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before. Even though my ex-wife wrecked my shit for four or five years, my life is awesome. And I cannot imagine being married to her. So it is all cumulative and helps you get to wherever you're at. And so, no, I don't know that I would change anything. It's I'm responsible for what happens to me,-hmm. I get to choose what my job is. I get to choose if I do drugs or fucking develop some weird creepy habit or steal cars. like I'm responsible for me.-hmm And so anytime that something sucks, if I think it sucks, that's my fault. I gotta fucking change it, -hmm. I'm having an awakening, Andrea.
0: You are right now in no, this room in general.
1: <laughs> you just always ask me stuff that I just... I like, <laughs> recite a novel. Well... I don't know. You tap into something in my brain that just gets me going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I ask you questions. I'm just as curious as you are. Um... What do you think the point? What do you think is the point of a relationship?
1: I think different people get different things.
0: What do you think is the point of a relationship?
1: What do I think? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've had a lot of really bad relationships.
0: Hmm. So, what's the point?
1: What is the point? Exactly.
0: Uh huh. What do you get out of it?
1: Well, you get comfort, Mm -hmm. you get nagging, you get...
0: Do you always get nagging? I'm
1: just listing all the things. (laughs) There's pros and cons. In every
0: relationship you've been nagged?
1: All these things are inevitable.
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Every person's the same. You
1: get... No, not every person's the same, but we're all humans. We all experience the same stresses.
0: Do you nag?
1: Do I nag? Sure, yeah. You do? I'm unbearable sometimes. Really? That's what I've been told. By who? My ex-wife.
0: Okay. Well, she's one person. Do your kids think you nag them? Mm,
1: My kids probably think I suck sometimes.
0: I didn't say that. I said, do you think that they think you nag them? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So you think nagging is inevitable in a relationship, even
1: if it's I think a lot of things are inevitable in a relationship. That's what that's what helps you determine whether or not it's worth it. If you can make it through the tough stuff. Okay. Because you either really like the person or you are afraid and you just stay. And it's more nuanced than that, but that's basically it. Think of every person you know that's in a marriage or a long-term relationship. They either really fucking like that person or they are afraid to leave them.
0: Well, yeah, some people are looking for security. Mm Mm-hmm. Right.
1: I think fear just drives most people.
0: Mm-hmm. Does it drive you?
1: I mean, I had a lot more of it five years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The only thing I'm afraid of now is missing out on stuff. I have to I have to manage my time. Just I think everybody does. You only get so much. You have to figure out what you're going to do with it. And you can have a job that you hate and come home to your wife that you don't really like and watch American Idol for three hours and go to bed. You could do that for 40 years. That's a life. But that is not what I want to do.
0: What do you want to do?
1: I don't know. I'm doing what I want to do right now, but that could change in a year. Mm-hmm. I could, I could give up on playing music or podcasting or working on houses. I could like fucking become a sailboat captain or something. Like who knows?
0: Hmm. I hope you do.
1: There's, <laughs> I got, <laughs> I got 11, 10 more years. Until Lenny graduates, and then I really don't know what's going to happen. Like, I really don't know.
0: hmm I hope you win that $869,000.
1: No. <laughs> no way. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, this is a good one. What is the biggest lesson you've learned from previous relationships?
1: I have learned a lot about myself in all the women or girls or whatever you want to say that I've been attracted to and hung out with. And I usually choose wild, impulsive, um, unpredictable women. And I don't know how to change that because I think it fits my personality I can't, I've tried to be with boring girls and Mm. it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I need the excitement, which is kind of gross too. You know, I know that it's not right, but I can't help it. It's like, you know, you're not supposed to eat three donuts at Krispy Kreme, but then you go there and you're like, fuck it. (laughs) There's an aspect of... It's all the stuff I've been saying to you. (laughs) Anybody who's still listening, it'll be totally, they'll be like, yeah, no, I get it. Uh, Yeah. Um, What was the question?
0: (laughs) What is the biggest lesson you've learned from previous relationships?
1: Well, what I should have learned is find a nice girl. But that's not going to happen. So I guess what I have learned... Why
0: is that not going to happen?
1: Because it's too boring.
0: Uh-huh. It's
1: too boring. I, see. I told you about some of the academics that I've interviewed recently. And they all have spouses that they've been with for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I'm not disrespecting anybody who can stay in a marriage that long. But to me the reason that that works for those two people is because they're boring and i'm not saying that in a negative way i'm just saying they're predictable they're they probably wake up at the exact same time every day they eat the exact same thing they have, you
0: have a very interesting they have a view. hot pocket is for this lunch what your parents are <laughs> i'm just saying they're
1: predictable um, and my life is not predictable and that's what makes it so enjoyable
0: there's so- some things about your life that's very predictable. Like what? Like you're on a timetable schedule with your kids. That's very
1: predictable. Yeah, but I don't have any control over that.
0: Well, yeah, there's lots of things in our lives that we don't have control over. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't make it predictable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You have to go into work every day, that's predictable. Yeah. I know you're gonna work 40 hours this
1: week at least. You know what though? What? My job is very unpredictable.: Your
0: job is very I,
1: unpredictable.: I never work the same shift ever, and I like it. I know you do. And most people would hate that.:
0: I don't know that most people would. I think what maybe I've come to a realization maybe not we're not the same people, but um, being with someone doesn't have to necessarily be boring. The more that you're with somebody, the more you deepen the intimacy and the trust in the relationship. Yeah. And if you're in the right relationship with a person that you've made a good choice about for yourself or that is more supportive of where you are now because you've done some work around the fact that Maybe you are adventurous in spirit and don't want to be tied down and don't want to be controlled and want to be able to make your own decisions. And you find somebody that compliments that and respects that and has done their work around allowing you to have that. Why would your life have to change just because you're in relationship to somebody, they should complement that as opposed to try and manipulate or control. And I think maybe some of the relationships that you're referring to have certainly tried to do that. And I'm not trying to say that most relationships don't have an aspect of that, but I think you can also make a relationship how you want it to be. And I don't think just because you're with somebody that... That commitment has to be boring.
1: Yes, I hear what you're saying. And also, you change over time. Yes, you do. The early relationships in my life, I was a different person. That's they right. They were probably a different person. It's constantly in flux, mm-hmm. and you get smarter. Hopefully the older you get Mm -hmm. and you learn more stuff, you learn what you don't like. That's right. You learn warning signs. You also, you pick differently. You choose better
0: for you potentially because you know what doesn't work anymore. Yeah.
1: I mean, I know people who choose the same person every time and they break up every three months.
0: Yeah. But we were talking about you
1: you just want to talk about me.
0: Well, the podcast is about you, Cody.
1: <laughs> it's your podcast.
0: <laughs> yes, this episode.
1: Mm.
0: I'm interviewing you. Um, what's one big decision you've made in your life that's had the biggest impact?
1: Um, well, there are ones... The one that I made or that was made for me?
0: No, th- the biggest decision you've made. The
1: biggest decision I've made. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that one a lot. The decision to move to Phoenix and go to college. When I was in high school and I graduated, I knew I knew that I couldn't choose a career. I thought it was stupid that you had to figure out exactly what you want to do for the rest of your life when you're 18. That That's sounds, a fucking retarded thing to ask an 18-year-old.
0: sounds like you. <laughs> I'm
1: like, why would anyone pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to a college? You have no idea. I don't even know what I want to be. And I'm 39. How are you supposed to figure that out at 18? And so I decided I wasn't going to do that. And honestly, I wish I would have went because the college experience, that four years has got to be insane. All the friends you meet and all the girls you meet and jobs you have and professors, like all that kind of stuff. Like a part of me feels like I really missed out on that. But I, did a lot of drugs and hung out with a bunch of people and drank beers and slept on couches and stuff and then I got to 20 years old and I was working at Radio Shack and I knew that wasn't a career path and so I said I need to figure out what I'm going to do and I decided to move to Phoenix or Tempe, Arizona to go to studio recording school and that was the most insane thing I ever did. I loaded up my car and I drove from Portland or from the Dalles to Phoenix. And I stopped two or three times to see friends and stuff. And then my dad followed me in a U-Haul a few days later. And we met in Phoenix. And then I had my 21st birthday by myself. I went to a gas station to buy beer for the first time legally. And the guy didn't card me. And then I went back and drank by myself in the, in the apartment, and so that was the, that was the biggest craziest thing I'd ever done, and then right after, that ended. Uh, part of the, part of the requirement of the course is that you do an internship, and I could have went to Nashville or New York or L.A. or some other large city that has a studio are a group of studios, so you could intern at. But I knew that I wouldn't get a job for years after that, and I didn't want to be broke as shit forever. So I came back to Portland and moved in with my buddy, and I interned at KPTV, which was a, a TV studio out in Beaverton, which had nothing to do with what I went to school for, but I had to finish this internship. And while I was at this friend's house, Cody Farger, his girlfriend worked at a Hollywood video in Gresham and her co-worker was this little tiny blonde girl and she came over. I had only lived there for three weeks and she came over to party with us one night and then we started hanging out and then I got her pregnant less than a year later. So that... There's kind of two events, but if any of those things would have been changed, I would not be here. I would not have kids.
0: Where would you be?
1: I have no idea it could have went, it would have been dramatically different if either of those things hadn't happened.
0: hmm If you could be anywhere right now, where would you be?
1: like in a career. <laughs> Like, well, you
0: said I wouldn't be here. I meant... On I, the moon? I was what assuming, are we talking about? I was assuming you meant in Portland.
1: Oh, fuck Portland. I would not be here if my kids didn't live here. I
0: know. So I was assuming that when you were referring to I wouldn't be here, that you meant I wouldn't be here in Portland. So if you could be anywhere, where would you be?
1: Well, I'd have to be wherever my kids were.
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's the most important part. But if... Let's say they're all grown up
0: and, and graduated. You
1: know, like in ten years, I. Where would you be? Well, I would be dependent upon money.
0: Uh huh. That eight hundred forty-nine thousand dollars. I can never remember. Eight hundred forty-nine million.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd take a thousand. That'd be all right. Uh-huh. I would be. I would be. Well, if I had, if I was comfortable, I would have multiple houses or multiple places, and I would just go wherever. But if I had to choose one, I'd probably choose Hawaii or uh, Croatia is really cool. Italy's really cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Somewhere warm. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm done with the rain.
0: You do so well in the rain.
1: I'm so done with
0: the rain. <laughs> you like stand in a T-shirt in the
1: rain. I hated Phoenix so much the nine months that I lived there.
0: Because it was so hot?
1: Because it was hot, and I wore shorts and a t-shirt every day. I fucking hated how predictable it was.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, it was very predictable.
0: Yes, it is. And, I grew up like that. And now? That's all you care about.
1: i would moved to Phoenix in a heartbeat. Hmm. That would be awesome.
0: Hmm.
1: I'd wear board shorts and a tank top. Every day. And flip-flops. Every day? Yep.
0: And that wouldn't get boring?
1: Mm, It probably would. Uh Uh-huh. Quit evaluating me.
0: (laughs) It wouldn't become predictable. (laughs) What's a fantasy you love to imagine doing but would never want to do in real life?
1: Hmm. I'm sure there's a bunch, but I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. Sometimes I think about having a different job. What what would it be like to be a truck driver? Probably be awesome for a week and then it would suck. What would it be like to be an architect?
0: Hmm.
1: It'd probably be really awesome when you finished your plans and people were patting you on the back. But for three years while you designed a building, you'd be like wanting to kill yourself. What if you were a dentist? No. No way. You could pay me a million dollars a minute and I would not be a dentist. No fucking way.
0: So that's on your list of jobs you'll never do?
1: What for is a while. I keep forgetting what the question are. For a
0: while in my life, I had this running list of the jobs I would never do.
1: I'm glad you know. <laughs> you got to keep that well, straight. That,
0: you know, as they would come across things like... Trash truck driver job. I would never do. I would never do it. They get paid really well. That'd but be would, better
1: than a dentist.
0: I would never do it. I would be a dentist over truck no driver. Way. Yeah.
1: Get up inside people's mouths. Mouth? No.
0: Yeah. I could do it. If I had to. <laughs> okay, what's a dream you've never accomplished?
1: Everything. <laughs> What dream have I accomplished? Well, I'm not dead. So that's cool. Is
0: that a dream of yours to be dead?
1: No, I guess I said that wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, that's what makes it a dream is that you never get it.
0: Hmm. So you've never received any of the dreams that you've wanted? Never?
1: What? I guess you dream about having kids, and that's better. That's what's crazy. Having kids is better than I thought it would be. But I can't think of anything else. Like, I wouldn't want to... Imagine if you were Jennifer Lawrence, and you... Or let's use Leonardo DiCaprio because I think it took him a long time. Imagine you are Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. You're f- sailing around on yachts, banging 19-year-olds, mm-hmm. hanging out with De Niro. Fucking life is awesome, okay? The only thing you ever have really wanted is to win an Academy Award. And these motherfuckers will not give you one. Mm-hmm. So It's this unattainable f- for the guy who can have anything he wants. And then one day he finally gets one. I think he won it in 2016 or 2017. He's been acting for 20 years, and they okay. finally give him an Academy Award. Then what? You have other dreams. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that's a crappy way of looking at it. But, like, once you get it, then you're like.
0: Then you work towards something else. I
1: guess so. I guess so.
0: Are you afraid to dream, Cody?
1: I have lots of dreams. Okay. I just don't want them to come become real oh yeah <laughs> why not you get some fear around them coming true no i think they're better when they're dreams uh, do you really want to walk on water do you if that were your dream do you really want to be able to do that do you do you want to become jesus <laughs> become the most divisive person in human history
0: um do you we were talking about you
1: I do not want to be Jesus. And no. that's,
0: so that's not a dream of yours. What's no. a dream of yours?
1: A dream of mine mm-hmm. to interview Jeff Mangum from Neutral Milk Hotel. Okay. And maybe I, maybe somehow I make that happen one day mm-hmm. and it's terrible. Maybe. And he sucks.
0: What if it's that amazing? That would crush me. What if it's amazing? Why it, would it crush you? Why would it crush you to meet him? Wouldn't there be some other aspects I'm of saying, it that would be really amazing, even if you it didn't line up with your expectations? I'm saying— Wouldn't it be possible that you might enjoy the experience? It's like, what if
1: what if you were in high school, and you're always checking out that fucking super hot girl, and you're like, no way, man. There's, there's no way. It's never going to happen. And then one day, you hook up with her, uh-huh. and she's terrible, and her breath is gross, uh-huh. and— she's got like six toes and you're like, no.
0: So all dreams are disappointing. I'm saying there's always, you if you build it up too much. Yeah, so don't dream. Is that I mean, what you're saying? Kids,
1: kids <laughs> don't have dreams.
0: No more dreams. Never.
1: I'm saying that's the problem with expectation is you.
0: We're not talking about expectations. We're talking about dreams. But
1: expectations go in line with dreams. Do they? Yeah.
0: Can't you just freely dream? Well then and,
1: you just and, need to get a job, man. And then
0: recon- <laughs> and then recognize that sometimes your expectations of what happens may not always line up with what happens, but you still accomplish things and yeah,
1: I, I hate know. expectations. You do. <sighs> they never ever they're always better in your head.
0: Do you have a lot of expectations? Oh yeah. You do. Yeah. For other people and yourself?
1: I try not to with other people, but it's unavoidable.
0: Hmm. What expectations do you have for me?
1: For you? Uh huh. You're good. <laughs> you always show up. You're very uh, forthcoming. You're very outspoken with what's going to happen. You're very studious. I can't think of the right word. You're just, you're Reliable, you're very reliable. I am very reliable. Yes, most do you find that boring? No, I find that relieving because most people in my life are not um, reliable. reliable. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it's a very important human quality that most people lack.
0: Mm-hmm. I would agree.
1: Do what you do what you say you're going to do. And don't yeah. make excuses, because mm. that shit's annoying.
0: Well, it comes down to integrity. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any expectations for me?
1: No. Mm. I can ask you for anything and you do it. I'm you've made that very clear. So no, I don't I don't expect anything of you. You just are a good person and you just do what you do, and so it's really easy. <laughs>
0: I'm going to go back to a question. What was the first thing that made you nervous or anxious about me?
1: Nervous or anxious about you? Yeah. Well, (laughs) when I first met you and you came into my studio and we talked, I don't know, there's always nervous energy because you don't know – who the person's going to be. People are usually nervous. And because it's weird, you're coming. Usually people haven't met me before. They have no idea who I am. Most of the time, people don't even look up what it is. They just agree to do it, which is awesome. But they walk in. They don't know what I look like. They don't know anything. They're just like, I'm going to talk to this guy, which is kind of crazy. Like if I was a serial killer or something fucking weird... Who knows, but they just show up. And so most people are nervous. You showed up. You we've talked about this before. You didn't seem that nervous, but you said you were later. Mhm. Uh What was I nervous about with you? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, I'm always I'm always nervous that it's not going to be interesting. That's my goal that's all i care about Mm -hmm. i have to make it interesting i have to make it entertaining Mm -hmm. because who's gonna care why would anyone watch it or listen to it if it's not interesting sure so that part is hard sometimes because you don't know some people want to talk some people need more coaxing to get things out but also, I don't know, having conversations is is fucking wild because you have to listen to everything that someone's saying and be thinking about the next question. Mm-hmm. But then if they go too long, then the question is back here, and you can't ask like that because that, that would no, we're already talking about this thing, and so you're like constantly thinking about what the next thing is, but still paying attention and still enjoying it, it's so much different. That's why this is so weird right now. Cause I don't give a fuck. Like I'm not, you are asking me stuff. I have no intention of, of making it entertaining or like worrying about that. Uh-huh. Like I want to be entertaining as a person, but this is so much different being in this spot. I know. But,
0: uh, what makes you, what made you nervous or anxious about me was the question that day. No, not even that day. What was the first thing that made you nervous or anxious about me is what I asked you.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. So I was trying to get to it. Mm. I just, I didn't know you. I didn't know what I was going to talk to you about. So it was unknown and i you brought up past lives and i would never heard that theory before that you could die and go up into the cloud and choose what you were going to come down as next that is the the I remember a number of things from our conversation, but that is the one key thing that sticks out the most Mm -hmm. is that you told me that, that you go up and you pick your parents and you pick your sister and you pick your brother. And that girl that broke your heart 20 other lifetimes, you're choosing her again to be your grandma or to be your spouse in a different way or whatever. Like you fucking blew my mind with that, that you could Pick the people, and I think I asked you at some point, why would you choose? Why would you pick this person again when they caused you all this pain? And I think you said, "You have to. You're learning stuff. You're you're, you're yeah. up there and you're hanging out, and you're like, we had a great time this time, Cody and Andrea. Now we're gonna come back and we're gonna be Hitler and Mussolini, or whatever. You know, like you're you're searching for a new experience." you're still like the same souls, but you're coming back in different bodies and different economic situations. And it's just like this endless cycle of learning stuff. And I think I even said, well, what's the point? Then what happens? Then where do, when's the fucking end? And then what did we learn? And I don't remember what he said. (laughs) Does that seem pretty accurate?
0: Is that what made you nervous and anxious?
1: I wasn't that nervous after a little while with you. And that's why I talked to you for two hours after it ended. Because you did what you're doing right now. You just listened to me. Mm -hmm. This is the podcast round two. I'm just fucking throwing up words and you're listening to me.
0: (laughs) Well, you listened to me for two hours on your podcast. That's not true. You had questions for me that I answered for you. I absolutely spoke more. And then afterwards, I let you do the talking for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a good day.
0: It was probably balanced. We probably both spoke. I haven't watched it in a while.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And for
0: anyone who's listening or watching, it's on Maxwell's Kitchen. That's Cody's podcast.
1: I will have to go back and listen to it at some point. Yeah. I haven't listened to it. I know. I listened to the first... 10 minutes or something, uh, probably a year ago, but no. It's a part of me likes that it's self-contained each episode that it's self-contained in that time period, because as much as I don't want to let things affect me, it's all dependent upon what's going on in your life. And it's the same thing with whoever your guest is. Mm-hmm. If you are fortunate enough to get somebody to come talk to you, it means they're probably in a decent spot. They're not going to come talk to you if they're going through a divorce or their dog just got ran over. Or Well, maybe for you. Cause you guys are, <laughs> I was like, you guys are talking about more emotional type stuff. But for me, People aren't going to come talk to me if anything's fucked up in their life. Hmm. They, so they're usually at a better mental, emotional state. And maybe that day, it's so much, it's crazy how much thought I put into it now because I want to make sure I get enough sleep. I want to make sure I'm not hungover. I want to not have a rough day at work. I want to have enough time between. When I get to the studio and when they show up, I don't want other things that I have to do later that like, it's very important to me that whatever that two hour span is that I'm hanging out with this person, they understand that they get my full undivided attention because that makes it better. If I'm fucking worried about a credit card or I got to work in the morning, like I don't I can't be thinking about anything else. I'm talking to you and you are the most important person in the universe. And I want to hear everything you have to say. It makes it so much better because I've done ones that were not as good because I was tired and my brain wasn't working right. Or in the early days, I'd fucking drink too much. And you could see by the end of it, like, blah, 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 blah. It's like deteriorating. It's a, it's a weird thing to sit here and do this.
0: Podcasts, you talking to me.
1: No, podcasts in general. I usually tell every person that comes and talks to me, this is so cool because you're not distracted by anything. Mm. You never, ever talk to someone in this silence. Silence. And with this much focus.
0: Hmm. How do you know?
1: Because I do it.
0: No, I mean, like, how do you know?
1: Because I never have a conversation with anyone in regular life like you and I are having right now or when I'm over there with someone else. No? No.
0: You're never this focused.
1: Never. It's impossible. Hmm. This is different. This is, I don't have my phone. I'm sitting directly across from you, staring at you. I'm purposely trying to listen to everything that you're saying. People don't have conversations like this anymore. I know. It's different. And I think people appreciate that when they come in and sit down and talk to you because they realize they're like, holy shit. I just met this guy tonight. I had a better conversation with him. He paid more attention to me than my wife has in 20 years or whatever. Or my students at the college or whatever, you know? Mm. It's different.
0: So I didn't make you anxious or nervous?
1: No, not really. No. Okay.
0: Here you go. If you were given $1 million and you have one week to spend it all, what would you do or buy? Houses. Only houses. I'd
1: buy Leonardo DiCaprio's. Yacht and hook up with his girlfriend. I
0: have to look her up.
1: No, I've I seen a bunch of stuff on Reddit recently because do you know the thing about Leonardo DiCaprio? Yes. Where he never dates anybody that gets past twenty five. Yes. They've got this. Somebody made this cool chart and it maps out all his supermodel girlfriends. And as soon as they reach twenty five, he dumps. He them. dumps them. I know. And he's forty eight or forty yeah. nine. Okay. And his new girlfriend supposedly is 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So he's 30 years older than her mm-hmm. and potentially would break up with her in six years mm-hmm. if they made it that long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I just she'll find be, it.
0: She'll be ready for you.
1: I just find it hilarious. There's, it's like, for him, it's like going to the store and picking out a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. Like he can have anything he wants. Mm hmm. Why, I guess 25 is the the limit. Or I I was reading comments the other day where they said um, maybe he is, his his maturity level is more geared towards women that age. That's who you pick. Well, you and and as weren't soon as aware they, of that? As soon as they get to 25, they have become more advanced than he has. That's correct. And so he has to go back to somebody it's called that's- called
0: emotional intelligence, Cody. Yes. You choose people who have the same emotional intelligence as you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I don't want to hang out with a 19-year-old. It sounds awful.
0: You just told me you were going to buy his yacht if he well, were- had a million dollars. It's
1: a nice yacht. Is it? It's not, it's way more than a million dollars, I bet.
0: I have no idea. I don't pay attention to such things. What would you do if you never had to earn another dollar?
1: Live on a beach, go surfing, ride on turtles, and get a pet turtle and just cruise the back of that bad boy.
0: <laughs> I don't think they're meant to carry humans.
1: <laughs> He's a big one.
0: A really big one. Yeah. Okay. If you could be a character from any book, what would you choose?
1: I don't know. That one's hard.
0: (laughs) You're hard to pin down, Cody. (sighs) I don't
1: know. Next one.
0: Describe your dream home and location.
1: Something really modern with cool, with a huge kitchen. Just like a island in the center, like a fucking like 50 by 50, like Like, enormous. Like a great room. Yeah, like just basically the house is one room.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: There's like, no, not really. There'd have to be separate bedrooms, but no, one enormous room.
0: It's called a great room.
1: A great room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: with an island in the middle mm-hmm. for the stove mm-hmm. and the exhaust. So you could cook everything out there and then maybe like a circular with benches. So you could just make stuff and then give it to your friends. And then there'd be a couch on one side with the TV and maybe a couch on the other side with another TV. So I could watch two different things if I wanted to. <laughs> um, it'd have to be on a beach. yeah something like that,
0: okay <laughs> What is the number one country you have yet to visit but want to very badly?
1: Hmm. I haven't been to Switzerland, I haven't been to I they got I a layover in Paris, but I haven't like looked around France. I've been to Portugal, so those would all be cool. I haven't been to Sweden or Norway either, or Denmark. So, probably one of those. Okay. Australia would be really cool too, or New Zealand, or Thailand. I haven't been to Thailand either. There's a lot of places to go.
0: It sounds like you're going to be busy.
1: I got to win that lottery. <laughs> be miserable first.
0: That's what I hear. It's not going to allow you to do anything good. <laughs> What's a compliment you wish you heard more often?
1: I was here that people really like it when you say something that's not like you're hitting on them, but if you just really, i I read it in a book somewhere. I can't remember what book it was, but it's like, if you see somebody and you want to make their day, you look at something about them and you, you just really pick something like Andrea, I really like your shirt. That is a cool shirt. And you, if you're, genuine and you make eye contact and you really let them know that you are serious it'll blow them up and so i don't really do it that often because i don't think about it that much but i think that's a good thing you can you can change someone's entire day if you compliment them on anything i love your haircut your shoes are cool man because people don't do that I mean, guys will do it to girls because they're trying to fuck them, but if you just see your friend and he shows up and he's got a cool hat and you're like, dude, that hat is awesome. People love that stuff because if people said that to me, I would love it. So you would
0: appreciate it if people appreciated you more?
1: I don't care. I like me, I dress the way I like to dress. I feel good about me. Mm -hmm. If people, I don't know that I like compliments, honestly. So I don't know. It's a weird question. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know, it's, I don't know.
0: Okay. What are the last words you wanna hear before you die?
1: Sweet bong head, dude. Um. <laughs> I hope I don't hear any words. I hope it happens and I don't know.
0: Just like in the sleep?
1: I just hope Tony Soprano whacks me from behind. Boom. Done.
0: And you just don't even know what ha- happened or
1: That seems like the best way. Why would you want to know? I hope I don't end up in a hospital.
0: Mm hmm. I know.
1: That would be the worst. No, I don't I don't want to know I'm dying. I just want to be dead. Dying in your sleep. That's the best way, right? Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Peacefully.
1: Yeah, hey, you just go to sleep.
0: That could happen tonight.
1: It could. That's why I'm glad I hung out with you and drank some whiskey and answered your questions. Did I answer your questions?
0: (laughs) It was challenging. It was challenging for you, too.
1: Did it go the way you thought it was going to go?
0: Not at all.
1: (laughs) Good. Good. I won, then.
0: But I have no expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So I just appreciate that you played around answered some things that you wouldn't normally answer, shared some things that maybe you haven't shared or gave yourself time to think about things that maybe you haven't thought about or addressed.
1: I just want to be honest.
0: Mm -hmm. You were. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything less. Good. Yeah. And thank you for... Entertaining me.
1: You're very welcome.
0: And um, I hope we can have more conversations in the future.
1: Uh, I'm sure we will. Don't <laughs> worry about that one.
0: I meant here. <laughs> right. well,
1: we can arrange that.
0: Okay. Come. Okay. All right.